Talk, the weekly podcast that happens around our dinner table. By our, I mean me, Joe Hilliard, and... Aislinn Campbell! Good afternoon, Aislinn. How are you? I'm very well. Is it just me, or have we made a silent pack to when everything's done for the evening, and we can sit on the couch maybe and watch a little television, or a movie or whatever, that we're doing a little bit more of that together? In the very recent past, we had a really you know, one of those relationship conversations about being together and the time that different parts of our life take away from one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it probably has silently occurred. Hey, get off the computer, come sit on the couch. Mm -hmm. And you're like... To which I'll silently reply, are you done watching that trash thing that you know I have no interest in? (laughs) And then I'll silently reply, "Yes, I'm only watching the trash because I hold the good stuff for us. I do. Last night was a good example of that. Oh, we started a new series. We did, and it's like four seasons, and I've heard lots of people talk about it, and we're starting it on a new season. We kind of binged it a little bit. We watched several hour-long episodes. That's one of those situations where I don't want to start a really good show that's four seasons long without at least saying, hey, come check this out, and if you like it, then... It can be our show. It can be a show we watch together. You all know that I do another podcast called Beer in a Movie. That's the one that we've ever mentioned that on Monday night, I don't cook. It's because Monday night's my, not my poker night, not my golf round day. My, (laughs) I'm going off with the boys and we're going to record the the podcast. (laughs) We drink a couple beers and we talk about a couple of movies. We just recently had our best of 2020 episode. Yes, it's early March, but it took that long to be able to get our eyeballs on some of those Oscar-y movies that usually come out in January, February. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought I'd share with you what my top five movies are of last year. Well, I kind of saw it already. Mm-hmm. I honestly haven't listened to the podcast, although I will. I plan to. You can or you don't have to. No, I do. I do plan to. I just have a lot of things to listen to. But I want to listen because I agreed with most of what your top five list was. So let's talk it out. So these are films that were released for Oscar consideration from January 1st to December 31st, usually in a calendar year. They relaxed some of that this year. The period went even into 2021 because the film industry had to react to COVID and how it was going to release these films ready to be released. In fact, at the beginning of every year, we'll do an episode, our most anticipated for the upcoming year. And in the beginning of 2020, back before COVID happened... My two biggest anticipated films were the new Wes Anderson movie, The French Dispatch. Which I we haven't seen, yeah. It hadn't come out. Yeah, I want to see It was one that. of those that got pushed yeah. to 2021. Anything Wes Anderson. And Mank, that did come out on Netflix, directed by David Fincher, a director I usually enjoy very much, about the making of Citizen Kane. On our end of the year show, we have our most disappointing film, where the expectations are real high. Mm-hmm. But the experience was not as what you needed it to be. Mm-hmm. And Mank was my choice. I, I didn't see that, so no clue. But I will say, hey, the movies this week are, and give you an option of certainly watching some of them with me. Or I'll even say, hey, sit down, we want to watch a movie. I know that you're going to want to know about this. For example, this last week's episode was about Minari. You told me two things that you thought were the selling points for me. I have to craft selling points for you in some mm-hmm. movies, yes. It's about farming. Mm-hmm. Okay, check. And it's Korean, you know, like Parasite, yeah, you told me. Yeah, movie we loved the year before. So I was like, sold, let's do it, I'm excited. And you showed me the trailer and I was like, oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be this great American farm story. Immigrant in America, farming, it's going to be awesome. Show it to me. 
I was very disappointed. So was I. But that's not, as you've told me, that's not the critical review. The critical consensus is that it's a fantastic movie. Critical consensus. But that doesn't mean that I'm in lockstep with any critical consensus. That's why I like you. And I know you're not either. Most of the time. Is that right? I think I've helped you develop Oh, you helped me develop my critical take on film. Well, because when I met you, man, you were like... When I met you, we were lockstep in most films that we liked, except that you do have this weird soft spot for anything Johnny Depp, even when the film's not that good. I also have this weird soft spot for like crappy movies from books that I read and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Sure. I'll sit down and try anything, but if I get up and walk off, don't take it personally. So the number five film of 2020, according to me, was Possessor, a horror movie that I didn't even ask you if you wanted to watch. No interest, no interest. Gory, bodies, horror stuff, yeah. Number four, a movie that we did watch together, and we've already talked about it on the show briefly, Nomadland. Yes. Good one, good one. Like that. That'll get nominated for the Academy Award. I think a lot of people should watch that movie. Nomadland. Mm -hmm. It was very, very good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Number three, the only movie that I called my record store owning co-host to say, "Order me this soundtrack." Mm -hmm. Uh, American Utopia. Yeah, that was pretty good. I liked that. That that reminded me of the days when we used to turn like music on the TV. You know, like MTV when when it was actually music TV. That was your radio station. There happened to be a video component to it. It reminded me of that because it was like entertaining visual images Mm -hmm. with great music just playing. It's the film version directed by Spike Lee, interestingly, of a very popular stage production helmed by David Byrne, who the most people would know as the lead singer of Talking Heads. Mm -hmm. It's like a concert movie, but there's, you know, a lot of intellectualism and political theory and discussion and then just very bare bones stage productions. Very, very interesting. My favorite part of the whole thing was the vibe and they were barefoot. Mm-hmm. I know that's great suits. Yeah. Whatever instrument they yeah. play blank stage. Mostly this goes into that concept of the idea that anything that's visually appealing is yes. good for me yes. because this was visually appealing. And also I could embody the music sound when I'm trying to, persuade you to watch a movie with me and it is visually appealing i will use that minari was visually appealing yes it was it had beautiful cinematography Mm -hmm. and fantastic performances and it just didn't have a story that was very deep at all even though it gave you the indication that it was giving you a very deep story did you use my what i talked about about minari on the podcast remind me what you said okay well this is the one where i said it's like you got the you got the introduction to the characters in a miniseries but you only got the pilot of the miniseries you didn't get the whole miniseries should have used that because we got into the biggest argument we've ever gotten into about minari go watch the movie because it's a farming movie it's worth and yeah it's worth seeing it's gonna get nominated for academy award you should watch it absolutely the number two best film of 2020, Lover's Rock, a movie we also watched together. Yes. Okay, Lover's Rock is actually, in my opinion, in the same vein as American Utopia. Visually appealing. Very much. Good music. Oh. I didn't follow the storyline much either there. Not that there was a storyline in American Utopia, but there was a subject matter that I wasn't really paying attention to. But sure. the whole, like, it just, it was a the vibe. vibe. Of it. Yeah. it was a vibe, and it was good music, and it was on, and I enjoyed it. And there's something, it's interesting to me that you would pick both of those two movies that I would categorize in that same sort of way. If you have Amazon Prime, there is a series, an anthology film series called Small Acts. All five films are directed by Steve McQueen, who directed 12 Years a Slave and many other great films. The one we're talking about, Lover's Rock, is the most 
chill of all five. There's, it's a house party. It's a house party. Yeah. From preparing the food and the DJ booth. Love it. To the end of the party when people who may have met on the dance floor make their way to wherever they make their way. I feel like I was and it's, it partying happens in the 80s. a little bit like that when I was like 19 and 20. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was there in like scenes. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of Dazed and Confused, a film that I know we both yeah, love. A yeah, day in the yeah. life. You plop yourself in the morning, you end in the evening, and just this beauty happens between the start and the beginning. Mm-hmm. Lovers Rock. Check that one out. And the number one film of 2020 that will not be nominated for any Academy Awards, did not get nominated for the Golden Globes or anything, Black Bear. Yeah, Black Bear was good. It was my favorite movie of the year. It was very odd, though. Very odd. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza. I can't even try to explain it. Aubrey Plaza deserves all the award stuff, nominations that all the other ladies are getting in those categories. I think it was too indie and too intellectual and... Did you enjoy it as much opinion, as I did, In my opinion, the criticism of Oscar and Golden Globe and all of that is still a popularity contest. Mm-hmm. So It's a popularity and a marketing contest. Yeah. I've lost my ability to see them as someone that has any real critical advice to give. I'll choose. Thank you. If you care to hear me unleashed with Aislinn not around to temper some of my wicked thoughts, then you would check out Ooh. Beer in the Movie. Seven days later, did you go find out what SpongeBob meant when he said Krabby Patties? I went to good old Wikipedia. (laughs) A Krabby Patty is a hamburger sold by the fictional restaurant The Krusty Krab and SpongeBob SquarePants. The Krabby Patty is made out of a frozen hamburger with other elements according to a Krabby Patty secret formula, though the said secret formula has never been revealed in the series. The sandwich comprises two buns with the patty... Lettuce, cheese, onions, tomatoes, ketchup, mustard, and pickles between them in that order. And that's the Krabby Patty. However, (laughs) according to series animator Vincent Waller, there is absolutely no meat in the Krabby Patty. There's no animal product in there. Something which was always planned by the series creator's name is Steven Hellenberger. Did they state that in the show? Do my children know that? The guy that voices Plankton explained that the show's writers are not allowed to depict fish as food. Because in that world, that would be cannibalism. Agreed. I just assumed it was a cow. I mean, clearly they can get a cow down there. They can do anything they want. I don't think we know so what we is can exactly call our the patty. patty a Krabby Patty if we want to. We can call anything we want anything we want. Agreed. So yes, we're going to call our fish fry leftover patties Krabby Patties. Instead of calling it the refried fish croquette, we're going to call it a Krabby Patty. I love it. <laughs> then you asked me, is ghee kind of the oil base that you use in any Indian dish if you're cooking authentically? Yes. The answer is no. Okay. Now, ghee, pronounced with a hard G, is the Hindi word for fat. And it's a synonym for clarified butter with one difference. Unlike the French technique of clarifying butter, ghee traditionally simmers for a while, browning the milk solids and adding a slightly nutty flavor to the finished product. It is the fat most commonly used in Indian cooking. It can work as a butter or oil in most recipes, no matter the origin. It can be swapped for vegetable oil or coconut oil in baked goods. It can be sauteed with. It can be deep fried with. Interesting. 
I think I have a whole new understanding of ghee that I didn't have before. That's why you come to this show, isn't it? <laughs> now, I have a whole new understanding of septic system toilet paper, a subject that I really wanted to dig into, given the fact that I like a thick two-ply. And a clean hole. As often as possible. <laughs> we just kind of brushed through the notion that when we move to the farm, we are going to have a septic system. But I'm sure there are people that don't know what a septic system is. Really? So I thought I would say... If you were born and raised and always lived in any kind of urban environment, you would never have maybe even seen or used a septic system. Okay. Septic system is designed to naturally decompose the waste from one's house using bacteria in a septic tank. When you flush the toilet, waste, water, and toilet paper mixture flows through the drain pipe into the septic tank. And then it's broken down by an anaerobic bacteria that is breeding there. Oh, well, I guess I didn't really know all of this. What naturally occurs is something called an effluent that is removed from the septic tank when it reaches that kind of level of environmentally responsible amounts of different kinds of bacteria and whatnot. And it either goes into a set of pipes that leaks it into the ground around you mm -hmm. or it sprays. Sometimes there'll be an alarm and you'll see that the septic system is releasing uh -huh. the non-gross part of what's inside of it. That's why my dad used to always tell me, why are the neighbor kids playing in the septic system water as the sprinklers were going off everywhere? So like I said last <laughs> week, septic system toilet paper needs to break down easily and quickly in order for it to contribute to this process. Flushable wipes? No, 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 no. Feminine products that you talked about last week? No, 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 no. Dental floss? Maybe all that stuff? Because it doesn't that, break down. It doesn't break down and it can gum up the works. Yeah. So then this article goes on to rank seven different brands of septic system toilet paper. And what we're going to do, this will probably be season three of the podcast. When we move in there, I'm buying all seven of these or as many as I can get my hands on locally. And we're going to have not a taste test, but a wipe test <laughs> coming soon. I have an unanswered question for next week. Oh, bring it. Let me write it down right now. So when you're involved in a city or county mm -hmm. waste management system yeah like ours now yes here at the house yeah. yes is that what they do at the plant but just on a much grander scale because yeah. the, okay so i want to know how that works how does a municipal wastewater system compare to a septic system in the way that the breakdowns occur mm -hmm. i had a double major in college and one of those majors was environmental studies and one of the things we did was go out to the city's wastewater treatment facility and you see the main entry area which Ew. is as gross it's on the top of a hill it's all built mm -hmm. into a man-made hill so mm -hmm. we're walking up the hill and there's literally a wall of stench like six inches if i oh, stepped God. backward couldn't smell a thing but we walked into this force field of stench and there is like a like a paddle boat you know like mm -hmm. on the mississippi river those paddle boat things there's a paddle like that it's constantly churning this intake, uh -huh. grabbing solids. Oh, God. And when I say and solids, you know I'm not talking about feces. Right, no, I'm talking about the things All we the flush down shit. the toilet. All the other stuff. I know that people flush condoms down the toilet, but I had no idea how many people in Waco, Texas did because it was just, uh -huh. yeah. it, it left a big impression, clearly. This is the reason why people often ask me, there's certain companies that will sell like septic sludge. Mm -hmm. Oh, as like a composted fertilizer mm -hmm. situation and there are certain places and cities and things where human waste gets turned into yeah 
We, I, we put chicken manure into our compost on purpose. I cannot. I cannot but do human, it. Because humans, we take medicines with heavy-duty stuff. We put things down the toilet that we shouldn't. Uh-huh. And certainly, after this conversation, you know that like out in the farm field, we're not putting out <laughs> the same kind of things down our toilets that people in the city are putting in right. their toilets. Yeah, we're disgusting. <laughs> We really are. And and when you said the solids, I knew what you were talking about. Right. I knew you weren't talking about fecal matter because right. that, that shit goes away real fast. I love how you took the time to delicately use the word fecal matter and then followed up two seconds or less later with the word shit. Well, because that shit, <laughs> I mean, it dissipates. But all that other shit you put down there? Oh, no. Uh-uh. Somebody has to deal with that. It still has to go somewhere. I thought that last week's Crawfish Boil 2021 episode was fantastic. That's fun. I mentioned that I'd put away six cups of crawfish and mm-hmm. divide it by three. Mm-hmm. And you gave me the laundry list last week. I want crawfish chowder. I want, what'd you say? Crawfish jambalaya. I want crawfish omelets. All that. Okay. Yeah. Let's just start at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. This week, I did make a crawfish chowder with that leftover crawfish tail meat. Mmm, it was so good. I like chowder, and I like crawfish, and it's still in the time of year when getting a good chowder feels real good, because you're all cold from being outside, and you come inside, and nice chowder, and, and then you served it up with some grilled cheese sandwiches, and salads, and we had a whole table full of teenagers. I was bragging online today about it. About having a whole table full of teenagers? Mm-hmm. I love building a soup. I love eating your soup. This started with bacon in the bottom of my big soup Dutch oven. Well, you've already started well, mister, because people like bacon. It rendered out so much delicious bacon grease. You get it nice and crispy. You take it out, crumble it, then you put it back in. Then you add some finely chopped onion, green pepper and red pepper, celery and garlic. The whole house smelled so good. You stir that in with your bacon. You cook it until those peppers are soft. Then you add your leftover crawfish and you cook that until all of the liquid is gone. And every time you think, I should take this out. Nope. Then you pull all of it out, stick it into a bowl. Put your broth, chicken broth, out of our freezer and your potatoes diced. Okay, but hold on, hold on. So mom had mentioned that we should use the Instant Pot Mm -hmm. to make some crawfish broth. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I saw that I was thinking about that. That's when you take your tails. If you had some of that, then the next time you made the crawfish, whatever. Chowder, I'd use some crawfish broth. Right. Okay, well... When we, all the tails and all of the pieces that uh-huh. we just literally throw into the pond. Uh-huh. Just take enough to make some. You would make a broth out of that broth. the way yeah. that you use your chicken bones to make your chicken stock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The last time we did fish that had enough salvageable bone, I made some fish broth. I still have it out in the freezer. Mm-hmm. I haven't had the occasion to use it. That chowder might have been an occasion That's what to I was use thinking. that fish broth. That would have been, yeah, it seems yeah, like that would have call. been the place. That's a good call. i got to make that mental note. In a future episode, we, we've been talking about stocking the pantry and stocking mm-hmm. the fridge and all that. So in a future episode, I feel like we need to have a conversation about this whiteboard that we can never seem to make happen. I give up the moment you scoff at it. I say, we should do something, and you scoff, no, and I I'm say, never mind. No, I'm not saying we need a whiteboard. What I'm saying is, we have got to solve this problem. The planning part. Yeah. Especially when we go out to the farm, and we yeah. involve your parents in the situation, because I imagine we'll be sharing a lot of food. All the things that are in the everywhere need to be used wisely, and we need to be able to get through them quickly. So even mom and I have been talking about, well, she's got some stuff up in the pantry, 
that is a year old. Mm -hmm. So that's the stuff that needs to go because now we're starting to put the new year stuff in there. And yeah, we really yeah. don't, we're not in a prepper situation that we need more than a year's worth right. of stuff up there. It's time to use it. Or give it to someone that would use it. Right. Do you mind if I get back to crawfish? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> so then in that pot that you've taken everything out of, you put your diced potatoes and your chicken broth to cover it and you boil them for, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes. And then you add grated carrot. These are carrots you grew. You said grated, grated. in that way that you... <laughs> Always make fun of yourself. Grated. Okay, let me tell you how a human says this word. Grated. Grated carrots. <laughs> what is it about the word grated? Grated. Or once those carrots cook for about eight minutes, you turn the heat way down, add the vegetable mix and crawfish that you'd taken out already, and you cook it a little bit longer. And those potatoes are really breaking down, and that's what's just creating the thickness of the soup or the chowder. Then I brought you in to taste test it because the last step is adding half and half. And I don't want to add too much and dilute the flavor profile that I'd built. Then I sprinkled up of grated cheese on top, sprinkled on some crawfish. crawfish tails that I had left back for this purpose, a dash of paprika, a dash of coarse black pepper. Dinner is served along with a salad and those grilled cheese, which had inside of the grilled cheese sandwich... Crawfish. Crawfish. Yes. Okay. Now that we've gotten through all that, too much? No. I want to tell you that your grilled cheese sandwich game wasn't at its top. Wasn't? Um, no, 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 no. Ooh. And you had a lot of like taste testers at the dinner that night. People didn't like the grilled no, cheese sandwich. There was no complaints, but I can tell you that we've had way better grilled cheese sandwiches. Well, that's interesting to know, and thank you for telling me that. It was just buttered bread, well, it, cheese, they were and crawfish. They were overcooked. They were overcooked. Also, the crawfish wasn't necessary. So oh, yes, it was. It. That's the kind of surprise no, pop no, that people no, want in their no, lives in this you home. You already had crawfish in the soup. Now we've got to just have a big, fluffy, cheesy grilled cheese sandwich to dip in our soup. We don't need more crawfish. Soft, gooey, crispy red with lots of gooey grilled cheese cheesiness. Whatever. I'm going to ask those teenagers to come back and have the taste test of grilled cheese sandwiches with us. Whatever. Because my understanding is that we had some serious grilled cheese tasters at our table that night. We had the pickiest friend ever back over mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. wasn't going to even try the crawfish soup. And I, and I get no, it. No, that's it, not true. He was super polite and very okay yeah, to try yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm just busting his balls a little he bit. He tried everything. Luckily... You had grilled cheese and salad this time then, in addition to... So it was dinner for four to turn into dinner for five. Uh -huh. And I said, hey, I hear that your friend's coming over. Yeah, and my other friend's coming over too. Uh-oh. So now I'm stretching, stretching, <laughs> stretching to make six, which is great and fine and everyone's welcome. But she is, the second friend, a vegetarian. And I was like, well, yeah. thank goodness I'm making grilled cheese sandwiches. I'm uh -huh. going to ask her the question, how often do you eat grilled cheese sandwiches? And she said like every day. Every day. <laughs> So yes, my game was not as good on those grilled cheeses. I did not have enough of that gluten-free bread that I would have liked to use for all of them for everyone. So I had, but then for the picky friend, I was just like slice of cheddar cheese and bread. I'm going to make this as simple as possible for you. I'm going to invite them back. For a better grilled cheese. For a better grilled cheese. It's just cheese like, and bread. Agreed, but it's got to be good. Hmm. Like... Your, your cooking technique wasn't right. That's okay. what I'm saying. Not your ingredients. Mm. Not your ingredients. Your cooking technique. You see? And that's the Why trick. Why don't next week you make a meal and we'll talk no, about no, that no, meal? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, because I will admit my cooking technique is just simply not as good. No, I am happy to tell you 
how good I am at things. Oh, yes. And I hope that you are happy to tell us how good you are at things. Oh, I don't like telling people how good I am at certain things. Why? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have the answer. Well, let's change that. Okay. Starting you do now. Like to ta- no, you do like to talk about yourself because, and, and like your accolades and your, your, what? your, you do, you do. I, 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 what are you talking about? I was listening to some conversations recently where I was like, oh, okay. So now we're going to talk about how awesome Joe is. Well, okay. Well, you heard these conversations on this show? No, 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 no. It was conversations you were having out in the public with, and I'm not going to talk about that right now, but mm. uh, conversations you were having out in the world with other people. About how good I am. And, and one, and one moment you were talking, y'all were all talking about something else. Uh-huh. And this happened twice. One moment y'all were all talking about something else. Uh-huh. And then in the next moment. You were talking about how awesome you were. <laughs> I'm not. I'm can you not. give me the subject? Like just no, because I can't think of it right now. You see, this is what he does to me, y'all. No, no, I'm not. He 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 forces me to give him an example. I like examples, and but then he tears no my example apart. No, yes, he does. <laughs> no, that's not what happens at all. It had to have been when we were at that place and we ran into those two people. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. This this rabbit hole is, is hit the rock bottom. No, it's not. It's going exactly where we intend to go. Oh, is it? Yeah, of course. Where are we intending on going? In the very we recent past. don't have any past, of this planned out. We never have any of it planned out. Let's be real. <laughs> the idea that it's like scripted, which is kind of funny. It's edited. It's not scripted. So speaking of me not cooking on Monday night, it was time for me to not cook on Monday night. You found yourself needing to create a dinner situation that's true and i'd gotten in my mind that i wanted pizza and i had gotten also in my mind that i really wanted to go sit down at a nice place with a glass of wine and a good pizza with you so it got me deciding that i wanted to eat grimaldi's pizza grimaldi's is a chain you might have one in your town and ours is at our local mall it is and we won't go deep down this whole aislin is terrible to pick a restaurant with storyline yeah but I don't want to go to the mall. Like, that's the last place on the planet. Yeah. Maybe the waste sewage place. <laughs> there's a figurative in your mind wall Ugh. of stench as you get close to and it. And there's trash everywhere. I mean, you there's are a probably mall a condom snob. and a tampon laying around somewhere. You're I mean, a mall snob. <laughs> oh, I am not. I do not think I'm better than people that go to the mall. Let's just keep remembering that. Just because I choose it doesn't mean I'm better than you because you don't choose it. It's the way that you've decided is the best way to live your life. Correct. You live your life the best way that you'd like to. Correct. So here I am mulling this idea of making myself go to the mall. Then our situation doesn't work out. You, now I have to you get... missed my time window of, of availability. <laughs> so now I have to get myself to the mall. Yes. To have this glass of wine and delicious pizza. And so I just drive on home. At some point I did throw in there, let me help you out. I will go pick it up for you at the mall and bring it home. It'll be waiting here for you. And you declined. I was grumpy. Yes, you were. <laughs> I thought I handled you very, very well. I thought I handled you very, very well. Yeah, they're probably both right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're a Joe snob. <laughs> I think I'm better at anyone than anyone else at handling Joe. Okay, fine. I'm a Joe snob. You're a Joe snob. I'm superior to anyone else at handling Joe. That, that is, is correct. The truth. That is the truth. <laughs> so I come home. I get here. I've got definitely one teenager that needs food. Mm-hmm. And I still want that pizza. And I think to myself, it's pizza. They deliver pizza, right? Can't right. I get this stuff delivered? So I get on. I order my pizza online to be delivered to the door so I can sit in front of my TV 
and drink my wine and eat my salad and gluten-free crust. It's actually not a gluten-free crust. It's actually, I chose the cauliflower crust. It's still gluten-free. It is. It's grain-free. Oh, they sell two crusts, Mm -hmm. a gluten-free dough and then a cauliflower crust, which doesn't have dough component. Correct. Which my my first choice is going to be the cauliflower crust. That's going to be my first choice. My second choice is the gluten-free. Sure. Cram a few vegetables in there if you can with that cauliflower crust. Ding, 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 ding. And by the way, in my opinion, outside of it just being complicated, maybe for people that aren't having gluten sensitivities and things like that, everyone should try a gluten-free crust and a cauliflower crust because they're very, very good pizza crusts, especially if you like that crispy crust. If you like the kind of doughy crust, you're not going to get that. Well, in our gluten-free pizza crust challenge earlier this season, we have made a cauliflower crust, we have made a gluten-free dough crust, and then we made that fathead cheese-based crust. I liked the cauliflower fathead cheese one. There was one that was like both. How was last night's crust? It was just a nice, crispy... Because this is the restaurant chain you gluten-free challenge entry into the conversation. You wouldn't know the difference of a crispy, regular crispy crust and this. And this. Okay. If you didn't know, no, you wouldn't okay. know. Very good. Very good. So I order the cauliflower crust and I get it with the, I think it's called like their white pizza. Right. But apparently with the gluten-free crust and the cauliflower crust, there's not really anything on these pizzas. It's like cheese, the crust, and whatever type of sauce you choose. No, that's not how we roll in our house. We just make a pizza with all the stuff on it. Well, if you go down to the other options where you choose just their regular crust plans... You can have the vegetarian, the margarita, the super sausage, the quattro formaggio, the mushroom arugula. That's interesting. All kinds of shit. That's an unanswered question. Yeah. Why are you so pinche with topping selections for your gluten-free options? Plus, if you go down and look at those pizzas with those items on it, $22, $24. So basically, what I was paying for was a base pizza for $18. Then I added spinach. Then I added basil. Then I added Roma tomatoes to it. $2 each for each one of those <laughs> toppings. Yeah. And now I'm paying $18, $22, $24, $26 for a 12-inch pizza, y'all. Plus your delivery fee. Uh-huh. Plus your tip. Uh-huh. Because there's a driver. And listen, all of these things included, there wasn't a chance in hell that they put $2 worth of tomatoes, Ugh. $2 worth of basil, and two dollars worth of spinach on my pizza. Right. Even if they were buying farmers market spinach, tomato, basil, they did not put two dollars worth of. Even with an upcharge, there's no chance in hell. I'm trying to say that real purposefully. And then I ordered a caprese salad with some terrible tomatoes. But Lily, that's she was gonna eat with me. She loves caprese salad, so hey, I got one for her. That you just complained about the tomatoes. Does that make you a food snob? I don't think it does. I'm not superior to... Here's the thing. People don't eat vegetables because they've been fed bad tasting vegetables. They think vegetables taste bad. Now, I'm not saying that children and textures and all of that, that, you know, there's not some things. Sure. But I... 100% believe the reason people don't like vegetables is because they don't know what good vegetables taste like. If they're That's buying not their a, vegetables. I'm not telling I'm better than right. you because I know what good vegetables taste like. I'm just telling you, you've been misled. And 
being sold a $12 salad with crummy tomatoes on it. So nearly $60 later, two small women ate a meal. I got in this morning. I was are like, you we up. have to have a conversation about this because I think I Are you trying to make me cook on Monday $60. so that I can keep you from spending $60 no, no, no. just to eat? No, no, no. What I'm saying, and this is what I said after this, this, this was all done with. I said, you need to find me some pizza crusts that can go in the freezer that I can eat. Because you'll make your own pizza. I'll make my own damn pizza. Crust. Because I promise you, I could have gotten way more ingredients for way cheaper out of my backyard, including the spinach. Maybe not the basil right now. It seems like pre-COVID, we went to Grimaldi's at least once a year, found ourselves at the mall. I or like something. Grimaldi's. Right. So when we and go back to Grimaldi's, we'll probably order, you'll probably order the gluten-free pizza crust, the cauliflower crust, whatever. You like the pizza good enough to do it. Listen, I like Grimaldi's. And this is one of those things. My dad used to always say, oh, Grimaldi's, her pizza's too expensive. And I just didn't pay attention because it felt good to spend my money. Grimaldi's and that's is, the a, way is a, I coal, am. a coal oven pizza. It's their Yeah. And yeah. it's just they make, they do make you feel good. They, yeah. You get a nice glass of wine and a good pizza and you get to watch them make pizza. And you use an all... Italian accent while you're doing <laughs> No, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Does the but... lady in the tramp accordion player come in? Yeah. That'd be fun. And here's the thing about that whole superiority complex thing, better yeah. than you, not humble, whatever. If it makes you feel good, do what you want. I don't care how much it costs. Spend whatever you want on whatever you want if it makes you feel good. Did the pizza make you feel good last night? It tasted good. It did not make me feel good to be sitting on my couch knowing that I could have made that pizza better and cheaper in my own kitchen faster too maybe it's that i can justify paying the price on something when i go to their restaurant and they're cleaning all the dishes up behind me and i'm getting an experience sure, there's value in going to a restaurant because you don't have to and i'm out i'm out public you know spend I'm getting the time out. cooking and cleaning right but doing paying 60 dollars to sit on my couch and eat pizza no nah. you could have done it better differently. Nah. gotcha mm -mm. Mm -mm. and now Finally, you've all been waiting for it. It's time for table topics. What makes a good teacher? Someone that lets you get your hands in the dirt. That's the easy answer. Would you like to go on? I give an entire lecture series on hands in the dirt learning. Okay. We talked about this a few weeks back whenever we talked about the home ec classes and things right. like that. Like you got to know how to do some things. You can't just hand them a worksheet and go, here are the numbers. You need to like show them right. how they can take those numbers and put them to use around fixing a tire. You or... had a 90 on the ability to point out the major parts of an engine. That doesn't mean you know anything about engines. Correct. Got you. I was a trouble kid. My biggest sin that got me sent to the office was talking in class. Miss mm -hmm. Riggin figured out that I was just bored. Mm -hmm. So she made a little corner. Now, you can't do this for all 30 kids. <laughs> but if there's one or two kids that need a little something extra. What's wrong with a system where the teacher can't do a good job doing her job? So when you've got a kid who's bored and you create a situation over here and I was a reader I read I outread everybody and she said this is your book it's an adult book and anytime you get done with your classwork and you feel like you know talking but other people aren't done with their classwork I want you to go over here there's a comfy little area and read your book the book was called Guts it was about anatomy had a lot of photos of anatomy it was great 
one of the best teachers I ever had because she met me where I needed to be when that was a little bit different than where everyone else needed to be. Yeah. And I think that every year that has gone by since you've been in school, there's been more reasons for teachers to know they should be doing more of that. Yeah. But there's been more reasons within the system for yep. them not to be able to yep. do that. Yep. Yep. And that's why I think that the best teachers, as I just described them, are few and far between because they get lockstep into the system rather than remembering maybe some things that they learned when they were training to be a teacher. And if you're a teacher and you're listening, you're you're doing that stuff. So I'm not even talking about you. You are meeting your students where they need to be met, even if it's a little bit difficult and even a a little bit out of the system. So clearly I'm not insulting you. Well, I'll just tell you that I still have school debt for a master's degree in education with a certification in teaching that I didn't finish because they were teaching things at the university that weren't being implemented at the school. And I knew that because my husband was the principal at the school. And I knew that I would never be able to use the things that they had taught me at the school in my lifetime of teaching. So what I did was take what I got taught Uh and start teaching in the world in a different way. If it makes you feel good, do what you want. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. Number one, that it's a Korean film, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like, what's it called again? Parasite. (laughs) You whispered. I don't want them to hear me. I don't want the people to hear because I'm, I'm giving them. That's, you said line. I whispered parasite. That's good. Go ahead. <laughs>